0: Find Your Focus is a recharging space for the ambitious introverted woman. Grab a quick energy boost and reflect on how you wanna show up as an introverted leader in your personal and professional life. Here's some inspiring stories of people around the world who've done things differently from society's extroverted expectations. Your host, Heather, a woman's leadership and life transitions coach, founder of a restored radiance coaching for the ambitious introvert, international communicator and marketer, world traveler, UK expats, and fellow introverts. Heather aims to help ambitious introverted women find their unique leadership voice and create life transition roadmaps from career changes to moving countries or cities. Join Heather every Tuesday to find your focus, to fill your mindset with positivity and motivation to go after your dreams using your own unique energy blueprint. Your perceived weaknesses are your powerhouse. Here is your host.
1: Hi, ambitious introvert. It's Heather here. I cannot wait for you to dive into this episode. This episode is with a practicing monk, and she talks all about the introverted antidote to bullying and overwhelm, which includes simple exercises to release stress from your body and address workplace bullying. She also includes some amazing tips and gifts. um, So stay tuned um, throughout the whole um, episode um, as you can find out more information on how to access these gifts. Um, Also, if you are interested in meditating Um, or learning to meditate as a beginner, she gives you some great tips here. So definitely listen in. Um, Our guest for today is Maharadi Ishaya, a mindset and conscious success coach. She works with heart-led women who are ready to create the life and relationships they crave by breaking out of their mind-created cages and into the version of themselves they are truly born to be because everyone deserves to live their full potential. A practicing monk for over 10 years, Maharati believes that we are on the cusp of what she calls the inside-out revolution. Her work is to teach people that what they've always known deeply really is the truth. Introverts are going to change the world because they are more in touch with the knowing that all this clamoring on the outside isn't cutting it. It's time to connect within. So, without further ado, here's Maharati.
2: Hello, lovely ladies. I am so excited to bring you our guest for today. She is this bundle of joy and this beautiful energy um, over in Mexico um, today. Her name is Maharati Ishaya a practicing monk, mindset and success coach, and founder of the Wendy House Project. Mahar- Maharati. it's beautiful to have your energy here today.
3: Oh, it's beautiful to be in your energy too, Heather. I really feel you all the way down here in Mexico.
2: Oh, well, ladies, she is here to talk about the introverted antidote to overwhelm and bullying. So it's a really powerful message that comes straight from her heart and her experiences. Maharati, I just want to dive in deep because, you know, that's just the introverted way, right? We love to jam.
3: <laughs> what is wrong with us? Why come we ever just chat about the
2: weather? I know, right? <laughs> uh, that's, that's too boring for us. <laughs> Give us all the ideas. <laughs> so actually just want to jam on. Um, you told me this beautiful story about um, your your given name and how you were gifted it. Um, so can you just start with introducing yourself as Maharati?
3: Yes. So I am Maharati Ishaya, and I've had that name for about 10 years, ever since I became a monk. And, and that can be a bit of a like, oh, what? Let me tell you, I'm a very modern-day monk. It just means that my life is devoted to being present. In whatever way that looks, I'm devoted to being present in this moment. So that's the monkness. Don't worry, I still get to have a fiancé and enjoy a glass of wine. Don't worry. <laughs> but I showed up. I've been meditating for a couple of years, and then I showed up on this retreat. And there was a spiritual teacher there, a really powerful dude. And I knew it was on offer to be, you know, to take this guy as my spiritual teacher, which would be a huge help in me um, discovering who I really am and making this commitment to being present. But I didn't want it. By the time I showed up there, I think I was 36. And I'd been, um, let's say, hurt enough that I'd built up huge, big walls all around me. I was very good at faking like I wasn't hurt. I was very good at faking like I could be really social and open with people. But on the inside, that was not the truth. I had buried myself under so many layers of what I thought was social nice enough, you know? I'll just be be nice enough socially and then I never really need to reveal who I really am. Which deep, deep down, Heather, at the time, I thought who I really was, was somebody who was really negative, a really dark energy. I felt that about myself, that there was something inherently kind of evil about me, and certainly because of the quality of the thoughts in my mind and how I felt about myself, I felt like, wow, I know part of the process of becoming a monk with this guy is that he gives you a spiritual name and I know my name is going to be something akin to Satan (laughs) I just knew it that's how I felt about myself I was like I've done such a good job of hiding and now this dude is going to see me because I've seen him name other people and get it so spot on he's going to give me this name and it's going to be terrible but then I decided to take the plunge because I realized that I needed to just really draw a line in how I was living my life and and make a huge change. So I made this big commitment to take him as a spiritual teacher, and he gives me my name, Maharati. And then he tells me, well, first of all, I was relieved. I was like, Maharati, that's cool. That's nice to one. And then, <laughs> and then he tells me it means the goddess of eternal bliss, eternal delight, boundless delight, and indescribable bliss. And it was at once the most liberating and terrifying experience because I realized that I had been truly seen completely seen and that every idea I'd had about myself and who I was was wrong and was a product of my programming and probably a lot to do with being bullied as a kid and really taking on board this idea that there was something inherently wrong with me and he just cut through all of that and handed me a permission slip to be who I'd secretly wished that I was which was somebody like somebody with a message somebody to bring something into this world that was positive so when he gave me that name and gave it a meaning I just I could choose right then there was no obligation to use this name outside of uh, outside of my spiritual practice when I'm not teaching meditation but for me it was a no-brainer I was like no this is who I am you've seen me and I'm going to acknowledge that by using this name so
2: oh that's such a beautiful story and and shows the power of Um, someone truly seeing you, your, your essence, your spirit for who you really are and giving you, like you said, the permission to be that person and that support system. Wow. So you mentioned, um, a bit of in there about, um, how bullying kind of shaped your mindset. Would you be able to share, um, a bit of that story, um, and, and kind of take us back to before, um, you became a monk, um how how your mindset was created into that um, kind of negative mindset that you felt that you had at that point
3: yeah I mean I think I always felt a little uncomfortable in my own skin I you know I was always told I was shy as a kid but not like in in a nurturing like oh she's just shy you know I came from um the, the kind of very loving household but very kind of tough love get over yourself you know this is I was, I was born in 1975 but you know like helicopter parenting did not exist <laughs> you know, so, so when I would get into social situations and freeze of course I would just get told stop being shy you know so I always felt like I just I wasn't performing performing properly in social situations I would freeze up in big groups and of course nobody knew what an introvert was like you know and I was as kids unfortunately still are today I was just expected to perform when asked to perform and I found it incredibly difficult so I kind of had that carrying around with me and found um, found it difficult to make friends never was in like the popular club or anything like that which then of course was just more evidence that there was something wrong with me <laughs> and then when i was 11 i got sent to boarding school which was actually a very loving um decision on from my parents because my father was in the military and we moved a lot so they said the best thing we can do is give you one stable place to live so let's send you to boarding school while we continue to move around here there and everywhere and um unfortunately at my boarding school at the time there just happened to be a big old pack of bullies so that was my experience from about 11 to 13 of just pretty much daily consistent bullying which was sometimes violent which was to be honest actually easier to deal with than the mental and emotional bullying and in particular this gang of girls their mo was the was the in out syndrome so one minute you were invited to sit on that table and everyone was your friend and you had you felt secure and then the next minute you would go to sit down at the table you know the popular girls table at school you know right (laughs) (laughs) every school's the same across the world 100% (laughs) just find your place had been taken and it was just go sit somewhere else and there was never any rhyme or reason for it and I think that's what's so damaging and bullying is that they don't know what they're doing they're 11 12 13 years old you know they have no clue why they're acting this way they have their own social insecurities that they're just acting out but the mind is a meaning making machine so the mind will come up with a reason and a story to explain what is happening that is part of the mind's job it's part of the joy and the beauty of a human mind is that it will always create meaning but in a place of such confusion as these people love me one minute, then hate me the next, the story the mind comes up with is very easily, well, it must be my fault. You know, I must have done something wrong. I don't know what it is yet. It's my job to figure out what I'm consistently doing wrong. Um, it can't be this. They can't all just be bitches, you know, even though my parents kept telling me that. I'm like, no, like. That- I can't be true because I've seen them when, when we're friendly and hang out. They're actually lovely people. So I must be the problem, you know? And of course, it's such a formative age as well. I was right in my puberty years, you know? So as I'm forming as a woman, I'm also forming this really strong story and really strong mindset that there's something fundamentally wrong with me, that women are to be trusted. That was a strong one, um, that Men, the boys in my class, would do nothing to protect you. So I couldn't trust men either. (laughs) I'm like, set myself up for a great life here. (laughs) (laughs) And even though it was fairly consistent bullying over the course of a few years, I would say by the time I was 14, it had completely dried up. And I was never really actively bullied again. But I carried the persona of someone who had been victimized for years. easily for 20 more years and it's kind of it's still unraveling in many ways
2: I think that's such an important um, point that you raised there as well that um, the power of the mindset um, in those traumatic situations so while that may have been um, a point in your life a finite point in your life between 12 and 14 it it defined a lot of your beliefs that you carried on into adulthood and how you interacted with people and how your, your quality of life was. So would you be able to share how, um, the, the mindset or the beliefs that you created, um, out of that traumatic situation, how they impacted your adult relationships? Oh
3: yeah, they affected everything, you know, because The way the mind works is it creates stories that are a bit like your record collection, you know, or for the millennials, it's a bit like your playlist. So, you know, (laughs) and it's, it's formed and it's there and you might not even be aware of it, but you have this constant playlist running on a mostly a subconscious level. And you don't realize it, but that's actually what's projecting outwards and creating your life ahead of you. So for example, if I'm entering into a room full of new people in my life, but running this story of I can't fully trust women in friendships, women will backstab me, women will let me down, and yet I'm still trying to have a friendship on top of that, what happens is that your mind is constantly looking for ways to support your stories. So I often liken the mind to like a little Jack Russell dog you know and you're sitting there and you're you know you're reading your breakfast and reading the newspaper and your your little jack russell dog wants to support you and it wants to bring you information from around the the world and around your surroundings so you're there just chilling and it's running off fetching these these balls if you like from your current situation but which balls is it going to bring you back because in any second there are possible 11 million pieces of information that could be brought to your attention but the human mind can't handle that so the human mind can only handle about 40 pieces of information so how does the mind decide which pieces of information it brings back you know the jack Russell's like i'm in a ball pit here there's 11 million balls <laughs> which ones will i bring you back oh my master Maharati, in order to support you Well, I'll bring you back the ones that match your story because they seem to be important to you. So if that girl gives you a funny look, I'll bring you back that ball. If you're not invited to that brunch, I'm going to bring you back that ball. Is that making sense?
2: Oh, that's a beautiful way of looking at it and really makes sense of how your mind works
3: yeah it's it's honest to goodness the mind is not the enemy the mind is trying to support you (laughs) You (laughs) but it's bringing you pieces of information that usually match the story because the mind likes to create security for you so the mind will enhance the status quo because that's how human beings feel secure but it doesn't have a differentiation system between, oh, but this is a negative belief and this is a positive belief. It's just like, this is your belief that that your friendships with women will fall apart because they can't be trusted and they're gonna turn on you eventually anyway. So now let's bring you back all the pieces of information to support that because then you live in this beautiful, stable universe where you can expect the same thing to happen again and again and again.
2: It's this vicious vortex, isn't it? And the thing is, is that we're not even aware of it that's happening because it's so subconscious.
3: If we could see this crazy, we'd be like, oh, this, this is not. Okay, Jack Russell, just sit, stay, stop bringing me back these pieces of information. You know, you brought me back the ball that said that woman gave you a funny look. Who knows? She might have toothache, you know, or she might just have resting bitch face. (laughs) <laughs> you, know, like, you don't know, but the, but the Jack Russell brings back the information as conclusive proof that you're about to be socially ostracized so you live your life as if you
2: are. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so um, relatable. I'm just laughing to myself because, yes, I recognize those those bad balls that the Jack, my inner Jack Russell has brought me. <laughs> <laughs> um, So. I, I find the hardest bit, though, is is actually realizing that this is what you're doing. And, and so yeah. what was the trigger for you to realize that, like, hold on, actually, this is a pattern that's actually not serving me. But uh, it's really, it takes a lot to recognize that pattern, doesn't it? Yeah,
3: yeah. And to be honest, for me, it was meditation. That was the turning point for me. You know, it wasn't that I hadn't, um, I'd I'd tried therapy before, which had been hugely helpful and supportive. Um, But in particular, Gestalt therapy was my favorite, probably because I trained as an actress, and that's a lot about, you know, pick up this pillow and pretend it's your younger self. I'm like, yes! (laughs) (laughs) The role play, I'm in! (laughs) But it wasn't really... Nothing touched the depths. So I found that I was talking in talking therapies even gestalt therapy in some way what i was doing was i was affecting the talky talky part of my brain to use the really scientific term um but i wasn't getting deep into the limbic system i wasn't getting into the subconscious where the programming had taken place so that's why i was continually recreating the same situations and of course once i realized that, oh my goodness, I have created the women in my life to blow hot and cold, because I'm treating them as if they blow hot and cold. I'm treating them with suspicion. Of course, I'm getting this back. You know I'm in this feedback loop that starts with me. But I didn't see it until I started to meditate. And the, one of the major side effects, if you like, of meditation is that it, it brings back neoplasticity. So it brings back your ability to create new pathways and lets the grip those stories have had on you, it just lessens it. You know? And I'm, I'm sure you know a neuroscientist could come in and like really do a way better job. But for me, uh, to explain it, but for me, it's like deep in a deep inner part of me, there was an 11-year-old girl clutching onto a storybook with all her... Like, that's the only story she knew. And she was reading it to me constantly, and she had trained my Jack Russell, you know? And with meditation, it was like giving her a lollipop and a pat on the head and saying, Honey, put the book down. Wow. Put the book down. It doesn't serve us anymore. And you know what? Let's get you a new dog. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and for me, that's been, the, honestly, the magic of meditation is that, it's meditation works on many different levels but for me the most fundamental one is that subconscious thoughts get to be released it lessens the the hold that the programming has on you it's very soothing and healing to the limbic system where those stories are all held in this giant processor but also it strengthens your mind's ability to come back to the present moment because like you said heather so much of this stuff is subconscious We don't know where our mind is at. It's not with us in the present moment, but we're not aware of that. We live at least 90% of our lives in the past and using that past to project into a future, which we then sit and stress about. You know, and we know if you've ever had the experience of rerunning a conversation until you get it right in your head.
2: Oh, yes, yes. (laughs) Yes.
3: Right? Like, how many times can I? And then I would have said, and then I would have done. You know, <laughs> we're not present when we're doing that. We're often in an imagined past, trying to trying to perfect it. Or, oh, I had this experience so many times. I would be on my way to work and already at work. I'd already, be having, I'd already be in the meeting, you know, I worked with kids a lot, I'd already be teaching the kids in the class, if there was a, you know, that kid, like, oh gosh, how am I going to deal with that kid, how will I love him the most today, how will I deal with his behavior stuff, I'd be on my way to work and already dealing with that kid. My kid wasn't there. Projecting it into an imagined future, which, you know, well, never came true. Mm, that's
2: so true, yes.
3: We spend ages projecting into this future, and then when we catch up to it, it's never what we thought it would be. And then either you're a bit relieved because you'd imagine something terrible, or you're bitterly disappointed. (laughs) This holiday isn't as good as the one I had in my mind. And this causes such unbelievable stress on the nervous system for us to not be exactly where the body is. And the great thing about all types of meditation, particular, I would say, non-guided meditations where you're kind of left to play with the tools yourself, is you're forever strengthening that muscle to bring your attention back to where your body is right here, right now. And when you can do that, all of those stories that you've been carrying that habit of projecting into the future the habit of worrying the habit of trying to perfect your inner world expecting it to show up in the outside world just falls just falls away mm-hmm. you now have a tool to bring you right here right now
2: oh that's beautiful Gosh. and oh, thank you. <laughs> it makes so much sense as well i'm for myself i'm um, just very very new um, to meditation in the last year have been dabbling with it because um, I've always been, I've always like likened myself to a squirrel. I'm very excitable. And I'm like that squirrel who's going around trying to find all the nuts and going, Oh, this one's fun. This one's fun. And like collecting all the nuts and all the excitement. And like you said, um, sometimes in all the excitement, not being present or allowing myself the gift of quiet and space and a space to breathe and and like ground myself. So meditation has been a really great tool for me to kind of ask myself what I need. But it's also been a very bit of a challenge for me because as an ambitious introvert who is always wanting to to try the next um, thing, it can be so hard to start or to create um, a, a consistent practice so for for women who maybe resonate um with being that squirrel like me how can they start um with a practice and and really be consistent with that and grow into that practice
3: yes that's so great and also, I think let's just blow apart this myth um, that meditators are somehow special people that are able to, you know, oh, it's okay for you. You must be able to just sit for hours easily. You must have a very different personality type of me. I've always been a doer. I've always been on the, the you know, the to-do list that come out of me first thing in the morning. Unbelievable. You know, <laughs> like, There's a lot I want to achieve on this planet in my lifetime. Let's go, 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 go please. You know? But... How exhausting is that?
2: Exactly. Yeah, you burn yourself out.
3: Totally. And we, what I realized once I started really getting into this practice was that I had been buying into a lie. And the lie was, the harder I work, the less I sleep. <laughs> the longer I stretch my work day, the more I will get done. And I had to take a real long a hard look at myself to realize that that was not true
2: mm.
3: that actually the most stuff i'd got done was when i was rested and out of the way and in a space to allow the best most efficient fast moving ideas to come through me Get, getting off that hamster wheel of doing 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 sitting Allowing, breathing, letting my freaking intuition speak instead of the hamster wheel in my mind, because man, there's some wisdom I haven't tapped into. And then the ideas, the projects, the way forward just became so crystal clear that it was actually embarrassing to see how little effort then was required of me to put the ball into motion. You know?
2: Yes. It's so embarrassing. So impl- yeah. You're, you you raised such a beautiful point there about how sometimes taking a step back, giving yourself that quiet space and resting actually can propel you forward in much more clarity and focus than what you would have been doing if you were just grinding on that hamster wheel as you were saying.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But And again, everyone forgive yourselves right now. (laughs) It's not our fault. This is programming. You know, we have been trained since birth. You want to get far in life, you better work hard. And I'm not saying that I don't work hard. I do. You know, I get great pride and enjoyment out of how much I achieve in my life, but not at the expense of burnout, you know, not at the expense of my relationships and my enjoyment of living in the moment now. And that has come, like, I love that you say clarity, Heather, that is exactly it, that the clarity, the ideas to act that come through me now are fully formed, just easy to act on. Yes, I have to send the emails and write the scripts and put the work in and film the videos or whatever it is, but the purity of the ideas that come through from that meditation space beat the pants off anything. They come at eleven o'clock at night when I'm drinking coffee, trying to sweat it out. You know, which was definitely how I lived my life before. You know, so I think point number one for anyone who just thinks, "But I ain't got time to meditate. I'm too busy." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I understand. I completely understand that. You don't yet know how much time and space will open up in your life and inside of your mind with meditation. So that does take in the beginning that little leap of faith to be willing to try a new way to be willing to try a new system you know and for me it's just as simple as this is your current system working for you are you getting the results you want in your life and also feeling held and supported and healthy and having Great relationships around you, and and holidays, and enjoyment, and eating well. Like, are you absolutely successful with your current system? And if the answer is yes, you go. Like, bye. I got nothing to teach you. But if you're struggling, if you're burnt out, if you're constantly chasing, if you're forever saying to yourself, "I can be happy when I've done this," I'll feel loved when I've got that. I'll feel secure when. If you're forever putting off your joy, your peace, your happiness till someday when, you know, the mythical prince is supposed to come, the prince being the new car or the new career or the when I move or, you know, the prince has many, many horses he rides, you know, whatever your particular prince is, if you're putting off feeling the feels that you want in your life until he comes, I got to tell you, the prince is never going to come. Not in the way that you think he is. So it's time to stop and try something new. Mm -hmm. And meditation is an incredibly powerful something new to try.
2: Oh, that's beautiful and so relatable. Um, uh, You mentioned as well that um, some of the best type of meditation is the non-guided meditation. For for newbie meditators or for, for women who are listening who are saying, you know, I relate to all of those things—the exhaustion, the overwhelm, the burnout—and especially acknowledging our current global climate, right? In the the global pandemic that we are all trying to adjust to, accept, and move forward in. Um, there's a lot of grief that's also swimming in there, and so yeah. there's a lot that we're our bodies and our minds are processing. And maybe this meditation, this this tool might create some space, some breathing room. So for those ambitious introverts who are saying, yes, I have some time now. I don't want to feel this overwhelm or I want to release it um, in a healthy way. How would you recommend that they get started on meditation?
3: Well, it's funny you say about like the global pandemic and things that are happening right now. So I guess it was just over a week ago now that... um, as we said, you know talking about these ideas that come through so i'm meditating just holding space for myself and my eyes shot open after that meditation there was i just knew i was like okay i got the hit it's time to serve and just create something because i realized that there's a lot of people out there that are like oh no i wish i'd started meditation six months ago because <laughs> <You know? laughs> now i don't know where to start and i was like okay cool So I sat down and I made four 10-minute videos that are like a crash course in emergency meditation for life now. So with each of those, I parked them over on my website free in a blog. So all four videos are really easy to find and work through from beginning to end. And they start very, very simply with using the idea of pattern interrupt. You know, and just I can give you a sneak preview of the first one. It's just as easy as this because often we think meditation must be something really sacred. And, you know, I need to get my incense and my cushion and sit properly. And no, <laughs> there's another myth I'm here to break apart and chuck in the bin. That is not true. Meditation at its very core is just a pattern interrupt. So, very simply, if you're finding that you're chewing on a lot of thoughts or you're in that downward spiral, and you're not sure how to dig yourself out of it, my first advice is always go find the sky. Go find the sky. If you, Even if you're on lockdown, hopefully you have a window where you can see a patch of sky. And to just go look at the sky and then relax your eyes to take in the whole sky. That's it.
2: That's beautiful. And that's it's such a beautiful um, guide as well. I never thought about that but especially in these, these times where a lot of the world is in lockdown or sheltering in place. And so that appreciation for nature, which we may have taken for granted until now, has never been um, fully realized until now. And that patch of sky, like you were saying, uh, reconnecting your, your mind and your eyes to nature and that sheer gratitude for it is such a way to to really kind of settle into more of a, a grounded space.
3: Yeah, hugely. You know, I I also I'm a brain spotting therapist, and brain spotting is a technique that uses the way your um, occipital nerve presses into your limbic system. And this has been a major learning for me. I didn't realize until I started this training that as human beings we tend to over focus our eyes oh. so kind of yeah this is I mean, I'm gonna I'll tell you about it and then I'll actually give your listeners a super simple exercise that they can do maybe not if you're driving <laughs> 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 If you're just at home listening or even cooking you can totally play along because it's an eyes open technique so. I didn't realize this, but but my whole life I had been putting myself into um, fight or flight simply by how I was focusing my eyes. Humans' eyes have kind of got two settings. We've got chill and we've got, oh my God, get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) But what happens is we tend to wake up in the morning and with our eyes, we go straight into, get out, get out. (laughs) We don't realize because... Every human does it, but we're over focusing. So this level of looking, of really examining, looking—you know, intently. Your viewers can't see this right now, but I'm eyeballing you right now. <laughs> I feel it, girl. <laughs> but this is how we look at everything. It's how we look at our coffee cup and our phone and our computer screen and the people we love. is designed for the human being is out hunting and gathering in the woods chilling gossiping with our friends and then we hear that snap of the twig that sounded maybe like it was a tiger now we need to see through the trees yeah Mm -hmm. now we need to focus so now we swivel and we look and with that amazing ability the human eye has has to be able to zoom in and focus so that we can see is that a tiger in the bush let me see when we do that we kick into fight and flight everything goes off you know the cortisol levels rise breath gets short all the stuff but this is how we live our lives and it can be undone this simply and I'm gonna can I talk you through it oh my
2: good yes yes I'll be your guinea pig
3: (laughs) Yay! So, it's a super, super simple technique. You simply just look ahead of you, and then lift your gaze, so where you're looking, about 45 degrees up. Okay. So, if you were shooting laser beams, you might be tickling your eyebrows right now.
2: Okay. Okay. I feel it. Yeah. My my eyebrows oh. are painted on, so I have focus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then, whatever wherever you landed, just find something to kind of hook your gaze to. Maybe a, a part of where the ceiling meets the wall, or maybe you're looking at a picture or something. Just somewhere to rest your gaze. Okay. Makes... Great. And now, keeping your eyes looking there at that forty-five degree angle, we soften. So the eye position doesn't move, but the intensity of the gaze softens. So we allow our vision to become soft and wide. Let yourself playfully take in as much of the peripherals as you can. Not straining. It's not a peripheral gaze competition here, guys. (laughs) We're just very gently softening and widening. It's like opening the aperture in the camera. We open up to everything else that's in the room, or outside, or wherever you are, beyond just where your eyes happen to be resting. Resting. Check in if you've got any tension around your eyes, just let that fall away. Let your eyes gently rest in their socket. Your eyes are very beautifully held. They don't need to hold themselves. Let your vision soften and widen and widen
1: oh that's lovely
3: yes and that's it oh. and then you let your eyes come off the spot where you were looking and just look at something else in the room soft and wide look at something else in the room soft and wide see how much you can see without having to look <laughs> Look at something else in the room, soft and wide. And that's the game. Mm. It's as simple as that. It's a beautiful, powerful pattern interrupt. And if you wanted to lead that into a meditation practice, that it's the simplest way in, you practice that 45 degrees, let everything go soft and wide, let everything melt out, check in for any tension around the eyes maybe make sure you're not clenching your jaw check in with the wrists the wrists are huge tension holders just swivel that hands around relax and then when you're ready to start looking at different things soft and wide i'll look over the hips soft and wide i'll look down soft and wide after three or four different points simply close the eyes maintaining that soft wide vision oh. that's being the sky be like the sky
2: oh that's beautiful and as you're I mean not only while you're talking me through that I I felt myself relax and feel calmer and even the sheer um, softness of the focus was calming and soothing in that moment but as you were describing how we how the the eyesight was expanding to everything around you it also really highlighted the theme of in our lives, that when we focus so severely on something, how we don't take, um, we don't actually see um, the things and the environments around us and how, how we can actually lose um, access to the present moment.
3: Yes. Yeah, we're so busy looking down this tunnel vision that we lose so many opportunities you know, and, and coming back to the that goal of the Jack Russell bringing me the balls, you know, yes. it's the same experience that there I was looking down this tunnel vision of I can't trust women, even though I'm desperate to be friends with women, desperate to connect, but I can't trust your bitches. <laughs> Here comes with Jack Russell because he's running up and down that tunnel, right, that tunnel vision that I have and when I allowed my mind to soften and open and widen using practices like this suddenly i'm allowing that jack russell to bring me balls i hadn't even noticed were just laying around on the grass i honestly had not realized how many incredible women i had in my life who were showing up for me daily to be my friend i was completely ignoring them and choosing instead to obsess and go into too much detail about a few little disconcerting things that maybe happened and going over that conversation and ignoring the beautiful sisters that were showing up in my life saying, hey, I I like you, we can be friends.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's beautiful. How, yeah, that really showed, showed you the opportunities in your life and the gratitude for them. Um, I think as well um, whether any of our listeners can relate to the bullying, um, whether that be in their childhood or perhaps even now in workplace bullying um, situations that they may be in. Um, I think this this you sharing your meditation techniques and tools to to relieve that overwhelm is so needed. And I think um, another thing that of women who may be currently facing bullying. Um, right now, they might also be uncertain on how to address the situation, and based on your own experiences, um, what other tips would you have in mind for women who, now that they've found some time to meditate, they may also be confused on what next and and how to um, really deal with the situation that's um, burdening them at the moment? Yeah
3: and my heart goes out to anyone dealing with bullying right now it's oof oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very articulate response there from our oof oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think first of all like we've touched on dealing with your own overwhelm on the situation is imperative and part of that while this might sound counterintuitive is accepting that you can't change anybody else it's not your job to change the bully. It's not your job to fix the situation. Because I think as people pleasers, which often is a side effect of bullying, we take on way too much responsibility for the story of the bully. We take on, you know, I will heal you, I will fix you. And from a place of absolute, genuine, huge heartedness and love, And yet, if you're being bullied, the person who needs your love most of all right now is you. So using techniques to help you center and to as much as possible, because I know how difficult it is to not go back and try and fix the situation in your head or go forward. But that's why I recommend using such simple pattern interrupts as just find the sky or use the 45 degree technique to just, when you notice that you're there, break the habit to allow yourself to sit with it that's radically accepting what's actually happening which again i think can sound really counterintuitive it's like i don't want to accept i want to change it but we have to accept things first because otherwise we're trying to change things from a place of resistance the surface level of the mind frustration anger uh, from a hurt soul And I don't know about you, but I've never experienced any positive outcomes from trying to change the world from that place.
2: Mm -hmm. 100%, yeah, absolutely.
3: So it's super important that we learn to sit in our own sovereignty first, and say, okay, I'm the queen of me. So I can take care of my emotional needs by resting here right now, using meditation techniques, to strengthen myself from the inside and lessen the overwhelm. Within that comes the opportunity to not take it personally. Because I think, like I said, often we're like, what have I done wrong? How am I at fault? You know, which is a whole heap of overwhelm right there. And it's great when you notice yourself asking those questions or starting that di- that dialogue with yourself to pattern interrupt. So, you know, rather than sit here and try and figure it out, I'm just gonna pattern interrupt let me find a patch of sky let me do the 45 degree trick if i have a different meditation or you know if you've looked at the meditation videos i've sent out just do something else other you know give the squirrel a different nut (laughs) (laughs) rather than trying to figure out what's wrong with you because there's nothing wrong with you there's nothing wrong with you i've never in all my experience and by the way i spent 20 years working with children as well I have never seen anyone get bullied because they deserved it or there was something wrong with them. It's never personal. It's never about the victim. It's always about the bully.
2: Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful, Maharati. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I think it gives um, people who are experiencing bullying right now that um, that opportunity to reclaim. Like you said, their sovereignty reclaim their power, and also release control of the situation and that need to constantly push, push, push to try to get a different response. But all that's doing is exhausting their own energy, especially if they're introverted and need to they need to manage um, their their energy well. So. That is such juicy information and a way for women to really, yeah, reclaim their voice, reclaim their power, and reclaim their energy.
3: Yes, and from that space, kind of tip number two, ask questions, get curious, because like I said, that Jack Russell is bringing you back information that's, re- that's reinforcing and repeating the same story. Now, I'm not saying you're making it up and your mind it's not happening. I've been bullied, <laughs> you know? Like, I've been punched in the face. I didn't imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know those experiences actually happened, but I wish I could go back to the 12-year-old self and give her a list of questions to ask those bullies. You know, and I've certainly in my relationship as as a, I was going to say grown up, whoever, I don't know anyone that ever feels grown up, but as a woman who's (laughs) slightly older in life, um, I've certainly found that asking questions and approaching people who I have made the assumption are out to get me or trying to hurt me or, and it's amazing how much um, information and evidence. I can have a mast against somebody, but she said this and she did that. And it was, you know, it's very clear that this person is, for example, in the workplace trying to undermine me. And how powerful it's been when I've, and it's taken courage, but tapped that person on the shoulder and said, can I have a couple of minutes of your time? And actually asked questions and said, am I doing something to upset you? Am I standing on your toes? You know, sometimes when you talk to me, you talk to me with such, I'm picking it up as contempt, but I don't know if that's what you mean, or I don't know if you realize that you undermined me when you said that in that meeting.